0: welcome to the fca board chair and director leadership podcast this podcast is designed to increase the leadership capacity in your area hosted by drew beard fca field vice president of the southwest region listen and be encouraged equipped and empowered to lead others and see the world transformed by jesus christ through the influence of coaches and athletes now here's drew
1: Hello and welcome to the Southwest Regent Board Chair and Director Leadership Podcast. Excited today to have John O'Dell, the State Director of Oklahoma, join us today. John has been on staff now for 43 years with FCA and has been uh, part of the ministry in, in almost every level of ministry. Uh, John has served and led uh, the western half of the United States uh, at one point in his time, as well as served in the local area of Ada, Oklahoma. So John has had many years in the field and has served faithfully for so long. I'm excited to have John talk to us today and, and have a conversation with him. But before we do that, John, uh, I want you just uh, quickly introduce yourself and uh, your family just briefly and, and uh, let us know how you're doing.
2: Okay, good morning. Again, my name's John Odell. I'm married to Vicki. We've been married 44 years. We have four children, three girls who are married, and uh, they have provided for us ten grandchildren. I have another grandchild on the way, so by August we'll have eleven grandchildren. Uh, I have a son who's not married, and uh, just really been blessed uh, with a wonderful family.
1: Yeah, I did forget about you going to have another grandchild, man. That's that's going to be that's going to be exciting, exciting time. As I know, I've had my uh, third child uh, in the last nine months, so that's uh, that's exciting. John, tell us. Uh, Just tell us about uh, your time in FCA, maybe uh, uh, just a quick time to talk about 43 years. Just tell us something that... That uh, God has, has shown you over the time, and maybe something that uh, just has been very impactful for you about the ministry
2: as a whole? Uh, well, you know, I first got introduced to FCA as a college athlete when I was a junior in college. I uh, went to an FCA summer camp. If you asked me what my favorite story is working FCA all these years, that would probably be my, my favorite story. That was the week that I've made a commitment to Christ. Mm-hmm. My life changed from a young man who had no hope to a young man who had hope. Took that excitement back to my college campus and uh, had the opportunity to established FCA on a college campus. Uh, I felt like I needed, as a college athlete, I uh, when I wasn't at practice or wasn't attending class. I got in my car and just drove to the local schools mm-hmm. and uh, in my community. I just walked up to the high schools and met, my, met the principal and asked if they had FCA. And if they didn't have FCA, I said, can we help? Not knowing that guys were getting paid to do that, I just felt like that was something important for me to do, not only in the community that I was, uh, going to school in but for some of the outside schools also. So I started working FCA in 1977. I was asked to come on staff for a one-year commitment and at the end of one year I realized that uh, I needed to work another year because of the the relationships that were being established with coaches, uh, with athletes, and with many volunteers in the town of Ada, Oklahoma. Ada is a town of about 16,000 people that's uh, located in Southeast Oklahoma. And uh, so I continued that work for 13 years as a uh, area representative. And then in 1990, uh, Dow Sheely, who was the vice president of SCA at the time, uh, asked me if I would become a regional director, which at that time FCA had four regional directors. And uh, that would be uh, the same as our vice presidents are today. So my responsibility was the Western 13 states Um, I did that until 1995. Oklahoma offered me the job to come back and uh, replace Chuck Bowman, who was getting ready to leave FCA and become the state director. So I moved back to Oklahoma and started uh, my work here as state director in 1995. And then somewhere in the early 2000s, for about four or five years, I had the opportunity to oversee Texas and Louisiana. And then I came just straight back to Oklahoma on its own, probably, I don't know, 2008, 9, 10, I don't remember the time frame. Mm. But um, in a nutshell, that's kind of been my my opportunities and responsibilities uh, in FCA.
1: Yeah, so it's really awesome to hear how it began for you. I mean, you were impacted at camp, you gave your life to Christ, made a commitment to Christ. You immediately got active in in the huddle ministry in in local areas. I think that's an amazing story, an amazing testament and testimony to to see that there's there's probably a little bit of of uh, of your influence and impact um, all over the world as we think about um, FCA being now in in over 92 countries. That's that's uh, really amazing. Thanks for sharing you know, your journey with FCA, John. The thing that I've admired uh, probably uh, some of the, the most in my time of serving under you and serving alongside you. Uh, in Oklahoma, John, has been how deep you have created relationships with donors. We are thinking about the current time that we're in, and we have FCA staff that are looking at the mission-critical aspects of our ministry because of how much change that's taken place. We're no longer going to schools. Students are no longer at schools. Locker rooms are empty. Fields are not being filled up with coaches and athletes consistently. Um, Our staff are thinking, what should we do? And as a ministry, we've recognized that there's two things that we need to do. One is we need to continue to pursue the mission of leading every coach and every athlete. So how can we do that? And we've found ourselves in virtual environments. The second thing that we've talked about is making sure that we connect with, we communicate with, and we care for those who have propped us up or been on our support team uh, for many years. And John, you've had great success over the years and creating deep relationships with donors. Uh, talk about just overarching before we get into some of this content. Uh, just talk to us about where where did you where did you decide, where did you recognize how important it was to have deep relationships with donors uh, that become basically uh, donors for life or FCAers for life.
2: Well, as a young staff guy, there was a businessman in 8, Oklahoma named Lee Horn and another businessman named George Rhodes who basically mentored me and kind of took me under their wings. Uh, My father was a high school coach, and so I knew the importance of of the coach. I knew the importance of developing a relationship with the coach. I knew the importance that coaches are looking for someone to trust, someone to count on, and someone to depend on. So uh, being raised in a coach's family, I I felt like I kind of understood how to, to develop a relationship and a friendship with a coach so that we could drill a little bit deeper in our relationships as we created and developed ministry uh, throughout Oklahoma, not only then, but also uh, today. But when uh, after my second year of work, um, I had the opportunity to get a pay raise my third year. But now it was the financial aspect of that was was a lot on my shoulders. At that time, I was making $8,000 a year for FCA, and I was just trying to get to, to uh, uh, you know just a $1,000 raise. And so Chuck said, hey, man, if you want to raise, you need to go do it yourself. So I met with Lee Horn, a businessman, a very successful businessman and ADA, who's a New York Life insurance salesman. And he just sat, sat down with me and said, look, I'll help you raise financial support, but – you're the one that's going to have to do the follow-up, develop a relationship, develop friendships. And if you'll do that, you'll have donors for life. Mm. And so Lee took me in his car, and uh, in, in two days, we, he introduced me to 10 men. And those 10 men each wrote a $1,000 check to FCA. And I would safely say that uh, probably six or seven of those men were not Christians. They were just businessmen. Mm. Uh, two were oil field guys that were just tough, tough guys. But they knew that we were having a positive impact on kids mm-hmm. and in coaches, and uh, many of those men had sons who were athletes, and most of those men were athletes, so they understood the importance of the game. So uh, after we targeted those men the first two or three days, then we targeted ten men, help us find ten friends of theirs. So now we were looking at one hundred people that we were asking just for a hundred dollar gift. Mm-hmm. And we gave those men uh, one week to get that accomplished. And, you know, Lee Horn was that type of businessman that knew how to how to hold you accountable.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so we met with them. We met with them a week later. Uh, almost every one of those guys brought a $100 check. So in two weeks, we raised $20,000. But now it was my responsibility to maintain that friendship, maintain that relationship. And at that time, there was no email, no cell phones, no texting, no nothing. So I started learning how the importance of writing letters. And my goal was to send a thank you letter to those people monthly and give them an update uh, of what was taking place. And so I stayed in touch with each one of those donors, either monthly or bi-monthly, depending on the amount of that. And some of those guys became tremendous friends Mm -hmm. who um, became partners at summer camp. who volunteered to help me with rallies, summer camp work, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so it was just the fact that phone calls, making phone calls, taking the time to write letters, stopping by their offices, and just thanking them and letting them know what was taking place in the ministry of FCA. And believe it or not, uh, we saw a lot of those men come to know Christ, get involved mm-hmm. in the local church. And it had an impact much deeper than Lee Horner myself ever thought would take place.
1: Yeah, that's that's great, John. You you said a lot of great things right there. One of the things being that that you you went to the people that that you trusted, the people that had mentored you up to this point. In today's FCA world, we talk about the board board members being people who help increase the leadership capacity in the local area, and that's essentially what Lee and George did for you. You know, as as you. Uh, as a young staff guy, you, you know you put a lot of a stock in, in these in these few men, and man, they they helped you build a, an amazing uh, platform for funding. Uh, but as you said, it was your responsibility as a staff guy to build those relationships. And so you said some things. And one of the first questions we have in our content here is what What are you doing to separate yourself and your ministry from others? And you talked about a few of those things: handwritten notes. But the thing that, that just jumps out to me is that relationships that last are built through consistency, right? They're built through, through through consistency. So talk again, just some bullet points. What have you done consistently over the years that you think has led to having these quote-unquote FCAers or donors for life?
2: Well, I think number one is uh, I realized um, as, a young, as a young staff person, is, I did not know everything. One of the things that I recognize now as an old staff person is I don't know everything. <laughs> and I, uh, I'm always trying to grow and improve in just the importance of letting them, and when I say them, I'm talking about donors. I'm mm-hmm. talking about friends. have ownership in what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I want them to have ownership in this ministry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to be a faithful servant uh, mm-hmm. along the way, uh, in in allowing them to have ownership and allowing them. For, for ideas and suggestions um, has been a, a, a great opportunity for me to mature in the knowledge that I might have with FCA, but also that I have an opportunity to uh, maintain and develop uh, great relationships along the way.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because It's certainly not about me, and it's certainly really not about the donor and it's not really not about anyone it's all about Christ but it's all about working together under the banner of Christ to make this thing work
1: yeah that's good you know some just to reiterate some of the consistent things you talked about were picking up the phone and and calling uh handwritten notes I know in the content that you provided here just acknowledging birthdays anniversaries and you know important family occurrences you know tell us all about one of your friends uh, i'm trying to remember the story john maybe he was in the military but I'm pretty sure you still call one of their family members on that person's either birthday or the day that they passed. Talk about some of the things that you've done that just kind of separate your ministry from probably what others may or may not be doing.
2: Uh, I, got, I got an idea about 20, 20, really about 25 years ago, a good friend of mine who was a uh, highway patrolman pulled over uh, two bad guys got into a shootout one guy was killed and one guy was sent to prison but my friend was shot and wounded seriously mm-hmm. and he almost died And so I marked on my calendar an anniversary date uh, to, to just give him a call the, the following year mm-hmm. and uh, of course I stayed up with him during the year just checking on him because he had to go through a lot of recovery and on and on and on I won't bore you with the details mm-hmm. but on the anniversary date I've called him and I've, I've called him now 24 years in a row mm-hmm. on the anniversary date. And so what What that spurred my thought was, uh, you know, I have a lot of, uh, and, and I've missed some, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but I've tried to, to keep up with a lot. But in my calendar, I'll write down um, if my, you know, if I have a close friend or close relationship that lost a parent, a child, uh, whoever it might be, uh, I'll put that in my, uh, on my calendar. And a couple of, Days out before that anniversary date will come, I'll take, I'll sit down and I'll write them a note just, and it just simply says, "Hey, I know that whatever the date is uh, marks the anniversary date of, of your son or your your spouse or your dad, your mom, whoever it might be. Mm-hmm. I just want you to know that today I'm praying for you and et cetera, et cetera. And I don't do that for for them to turn around and write mm-hmm. me a check. And I don't do yep. that. I do that because I love them. Mm-hmm. I do that because I care for them, and I do that because." I want them to, remit to to know that their son hasn't been forgotten or their yeah. daughter hadn't been forgotten. And so it, I mean, it takes a little bit of time and it takes a uh, some effort, but honestly, that doesn't happen in my life. Mm. And there, there are certain days, every once in a while, boy, if you get a, if you get a note of encouragement, it uh, it certainly makes the day go well. And I think the fear for a lot of parents is that, man, I hope nobody, I hope people don't forget my child. Mm-hmm. I hope people don't forget whatever that might be. Yeah. So that's just one thing Of kind of drilling a little bit deeper in a relationship. And then, you know, try to recognize birthdays and try to recognize anniversaries. I, I don't really do the anniversary thing very well. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, you know, I've learned in life that uh, if God places somebody on my mind, mm-hmm. I, I just stop right there and pick the phone up and give them a call. And if they don't answer, i just leave them a short message. Hey, you don't need to call me back. Just Just want you to know that God put you on my mind today and been thinking about you, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Uh, So I just finished a book uh, by Terry Looper called Sacred Pace. He talks about uh, relationships that are continually growing over time. That's essentially what you've done is you've strengthened and grown the relationship. I can imagine on every phone call during every good season and every struggling season, kind of what we're in now just continues to keep on the mind of the donor of the of the FCA person, the constituent, that, man, there's somebody that cares about me, and uh, that's a great reminder uh, for them. And and the point of it all, John, is that you're being intentional to separate yourself, and that you're doing things that nobody else is doing. That you know that kind of takes us into this time and the season we're in. You know, when a relationship is created, um, if we can go back to some of those early relationships. Uh, there came a point with Lee Horn, with George Rhodes, with all of those men that they introduced you to, where you got to communicate the need, the plan, and then the results of your ministry. Think back, think uh, even to now to what you do uh, in terms of talking to people about estate planning and things like that. Talk to us about that—that that, what that need, that plan, and the results are, and how you have created that conversation over a long period of time to uh, build uh, these uh, FCAers for life. Well,
2: the one thing I've learned is that I don't really have to ask anyone for a gift or support. I have, but that's that's not my purpose. Yep. Uh, my purpose is, uh, through that relationship, to allow them to open the door for them to give to the Ministry of FCA. Mm-hmm. And um, they may ask a question, how's it going? Is there any way that I can help? Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any needs that need to be met? You know whatever type of questions they may ask me and then that that allows me to open the door from um you know our staff is doing monthly support and uh we've got an event coming up or we've got a project that we're doing and and it just leads into the conversation of where i've never asked them but they've allowed me the opportunity to express with them a need that we may have And it's amazing how God has used that to meet several needs that we have had uh, from a $10 a month donor to a uh, $100,000 gift to somebody that's put us in their estate to on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've learned just to to kind of back off, uh, not force the issue and allow God to open that door uh, for me to be able to express it. And and honestly— I'm probably the most unprofessional person that FCA has ever had regarding the correct terminology, regarding the correct, correct words, or to have a script. Mm-hmm. I just kind of go by the shoot from the hip mm-hmm. and just kind of let God lead and uh, see what takes place uh, during that time.
1: So you've told some crazy stories of success and some very un un or very unique opportunities. Think for a second, a baby about maybe one of the most. Um, Uh, remarkable or impactful stories where somebody just out of the blue did something uh, that was special, whether it's a gift or a service to the ministry that you just, you weren't even prepared for, you weren't ready for, but you just knew that it was important to stay connected with people. And at the end of it, man, they came alongside and did something, you know, gave a big gift or gave a small gift or just did something that just really blew you away. Any remembrance real quickly of a story that, that impacted you whenever you weren't really expecting it.
2: Uh, I'll try to keep this sh- this really short. Uh, there's two stories that come to mind. One, a father and his son came by the office one day and just, we were just sitting there talking. Needs came up and, you know, they left. And uh, three days later, I get an envelope that was uh, taped to the front door and the envelope was full of change. And <laughs> the change was from my friend's son. He wrote in there, he said, hey, God really laid it on my heart to, to support. Uh, well, you know, some, God laid it on my heart to support FCA. It, it, yeah. He didn't say that, but that's what the message was.
0: Yeah.
2: And I still have that envelope in my desk because it reminds me the amount of the gift doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's the attitude of the person who gave. But that kid wasn't even 10 or 11 years old, mm-hmm. and it was probably— I don't know, 5 or $6 worth of coins. Mm -hmm. And uh, that probably impacted my life more than anything. I met with a man one time. um, We met at breakfast, and uh, we had just started developing a friendship. And uh, he was a very successful businessman. and uh, He just asked me, he said, "Uh, hey, if I could do something big for FCA, what can I do? I said, well, man, I would love for you to consider a gift of $100,000 to FCA. And when I said $100,000, his look on his face was like, uh, you have gone way over my limit. And so when I said, one, I said, you know, would you consider a gift of $100,000? And when I said that, I saw his look and I just changed my my sentence, mid-sentence and said, over the next four years. Yeah. And and I remember he looked at me and he says, you know what? I can do $25,000 a year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: After four years, and he asked me every September to remind him of his gift. Mm-hmm. And at the end of four years, you know, we were meeting for breakfast again. And I said, hey, Thank you. Your four-year commitment's over. He says, well, hey, remind me next September. And from that point on, um, his smallest gift to FCA was $40,000 a year. And it was, but it was just, and again, it was just the way that, that God moved through that story Mm -hmm. and and developed, and we had the opportunity to maintain a great relationship. And, you know, and I could share stories of failure also. Yeah just, just as easily.
1: Yeah. Well, you, you just brought something up that's so important in the support raising world and that's using discernment. Um, you discerned immediately that something wasn't right in his spirit when you made that ask and you adjusted, um, someone who's experienced and prepared and ready understands that and makes those adjustments. So that's, that was, that was a great story. That was really cool. So Uh, You mentioned, you know, failure, and it seems like a failure sometimes, but sometimes it's no for now, but not forever. Sometimes it's no forever. What advice would you give during this time when when our staff are talking to donors, just reconnecting with them? Maybe there's some opportunities where staff feel like, okay, hey, I need to ask, uh, feeling led to ask during this time where, you know, it's everybody wants to be real sensitive uh, because of the times of the COVID-19 and the loss of jobs and the the death toll raising through through the coronavirus what what should we do whenever uh we whenever we get told no what should what should be our response as a as a staff person uh or as a board member who's trying to build a donor for life
2: well the first thing i do is i just look at them and say thank you
0: yeah
2: i, I you know thank you i thank them for letting me ask them uh to be a part of what we're doing in fCA and if they say no that's okay mm mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and then when I get back to my office, the first thing I do is I sit down and I write him a letter mm-hmm. and I just say, listen, it was great seeing you today. You know, thanks for lunch, blah, 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 and, uh, look forward to developing a good relationship and friendship with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, and then I'll continue to reach out and contact that person, um, over the next, I don't know, two, three, four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I don't get much of a response back from him, I kind of move on to, another area. And, yep. But if he's still wanting to go a little bit deeper in our relationship, mm-hmm. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll continue to do that, but probably I'm not going to ask him to do anything until he feels like, uh, he can be in a position to approach me about coming back and, and being a part of what we're doing. And that's mm-hmm. happened numerous of times when I've asked people, uh, for monthly supports. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had guys tell me, you know, right now we're kind of strapped right now. We're supporting other missionaries right mm-hmm. now we're supporting other nonprofits and I'll just leave my card with them and say, Hey, listen, let's just, uh, let's keep meeting. Let's keep doing a friendship and blah, blah, blah. And it's amazing how months, uh, literally, uh, six months, eight months, 10 months later, uh, because of the effort to maintain that relationship, uh, they'll come back and be a part of what we're
1: doing. Yeah, no, that's great. That is great. Uh, great information. And I just want to remind our staff, um, it was shared with me, Uh, I was young and had asked a guy for a lot of money and I was real nervous about it. And I even, I think I used the words, man, I apologize for this. Or I I said, I'm sorry that I did this or whatever. Just feeling a little uncertain in my own, you know, abilities in the moment. And uh, he he said, if you ever apologize for asking again, I'll promise you, I will not support you. And uh, that has stuck with me. Um, And again, I hear the confidence in your voice about, Uh, It's really about what God chooses to do in the people. It's not about how we do it or what we do. But I just want to remind um, our staff of three things. It's our passion, and it may not be theirs. You know, so that's why they may say no. Um, It's our calling, so never apologize for working towards it. And then third, you know, it's our purpose, that God has a a team ready to support us. And so, so to keep building relationships, as you said, you may recognize that that, man, they're they're just not in it, and so uh, let's let's go to that next area, and uh, let's keep doing what we do. But but here's uh, just a, more of a reminder, John, uh, and a recap a little bit. What do we do when they say yes? What do we do when they say yes to us and join our join our team?
2: No, the first thing I do is give them a hug. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> first thing I do is just I, you know just of course I say thank you, and mm-hmm. and once I come back, I you know I, I will again I will sit down and write them a thank you letter. I think, honestly, I probably write a minimum of 8 to 10 letters a week, up mm-hmm. to probably 20 letters a week, yeah. uh, just taking the time, because I think that separates what we're doing in FCA differently than what all other mm-hmm. nonprofits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I keep them posted. Um, I, I'll share I, – I keep them posting throughout the year. I'll share a story. I, I want them to understand that. Uh, hey, your gift has allowed us to do this, whatever mm-hmm. that might be. Yeah. And uh and I thank them because uh, their gift impacted a life for Christ. Mm-hmm. And I want them to understand that um um you know once they give I don't just move on and forget them. Mm-hmm. I, I try to I try to, to 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 make sure that I that that I keep them informed of, of what's happening in the ministry and mm-hmm. uh, because of their willingness to give. Uh, we're able to continue to go forward uh, with what we're doing. Yeah,
1: That's great. You know, right now, the language that we're using with our staff, donor ministry rhythm, what's the rhythm that you have? You know, for you, I know that on a quarterly basis, you write every home team giver, print out a letter, you tell some stories and then you write a personal note on that letter. What are some other rhythms or things that you've done, maybe practically that staff can say, man, I, I, I should do that. Or I need to jump on that maybe around their. uh, uh, the anniversary of their gift or just on an annual basis? What are some things that you've done to strengthen your donor ministry and to maybe have done something consistently over time?
2: I think, number one, just keeping them informed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, however that might be through, through letters, um, you know, through uh, phone calls, dropping by and seeing them, just saying hello, mm-hmm. taking five minutes of their time, whatever it might be. But I, I, I just feel like it's really, really important to uh, maintain a, a, a steady, uh, flow of communication. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the one thing I've learned right now as we're going through what we're going through in our local areas, in our countries, and throughout the world, mm-hmm. um, I've had donors just, I mean, literally, men that, that I have incredible respect for mm-hmm. have shared with me, hey, I got a letter the other day from a nonprofit that's asking for support. Mm-hmm. and And his response to me was, i don't have money to give and i was kind of insulted that during this critical time um, they're asking me for support mm-hmm. you know the thing i love about fca is you guys are keeping me informed of what's going on
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then i talked to a, a gentleman this weekend who's 76 percent of their income base has been dropped mm. uh, and he he just shared with me he said hey how are you guys doing? And I told him, I said, man, it's uh, it's a little tight right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And he
2: said, listen, I love SDA, and I will continue to support SDA, but I can't right now.
0: Yep.
2: And he, he just said, look, John, he goes, don't ask anyone for support during this time unless they ask you,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, can they be a part of this giving? Yep. Then he said, hey, do me a favor. In one month, consider sending out a letter informing people of what you've been doing and asking them if they would continue to do something financially to get you through this difficult time. He said, he, I mean, he just, he said, you know, a letter from you guys, because you guys have backed off, but a letter from you guys explaining what you're doing. And and Drew, even though you and I have already talked about this, Mm -hmm. you know, we've targeted May 1st to send out a letter to match some support Mm -hmm. that we have raised. And to also ask, just to inform people, this is what we're doing. So I think it's important that we communicate when people ask, mm-hmm. but I would be very hesitant this time when people have lost their jobs, losing their business, um, and on and on and on. Yeah. I'd be very cautious of thinking that people are going to be opening their wallets and being able to give right now. People, it's a, it's a very... Frightening and frustrating time for a lot of people just right
1: now. Yeah, no, that's good, John. And that was going to be one of the final conversations I had. So I want to, I want to revisit that briefly. You had shared with me three instances of, of men and their businesses, companies, layoffs, you know, uh, donors being offended by the way that they approach this time. But then at the end of it, we, you know, I just kind of tracked our conversation. I asked about sensitivity. You used the word caution and then you said it already, but I want to reiterate it. You said, let them ask you. You get in a conversation with them and let them ask you what the need is. And here was your final quote from the other day as we were preparing for this. You said that we want our donors and potential donors to see FCA on the positive side when all of this passes, meaning a relationship. You want us to have a relationship with them when we get on the other side of things. And so you you brought up uh, uh, our final conversation for today, and I'll let you speak to that one more time. Uh, but but before you do that, I want to remind everybody that we have not mentioned social media. We haven't talked about platforms of social media. And I want to just say, from my perspective, a caution, and I know this was uh, spoke about in our webinar this last week. Social media is a is a foundation to grow and connect. It's not a place... To share all of our needs and make ask. That's a great place to inform, but it's a, not a great place to deepen a relationship. Um, and so we've talked about visits, phone calls, messages consistently, handwritten notes, getting our message out there. But just as you said, John, um, speak to that one more time. Let them ask us in our conversations, so that we can be be seen as a teammate on the other side of all that passes finish our time today and just speak to that real quickly, John.
2: Well, uh, again, not to be repetitious, Mm -hmm. but allow them the opportunity to ask you, uh, is there a need that needs to be met? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, um, you know, I ask them, Hey, there's two things that you can do. Mm -hmm. Number one, uh, please continue to pray for us as we have the opportunity to minister to um, a lot of people who are hurting at this time. Mm-hmm. And, um, the second question is, um, uh, if you feel led to support us financially, man, we would love to have your support. Mm-hmm. The amount doesn't matter, but, um, the multitude of gifts that would come in through that type of conversation, they all add up to meet our needs. Mm-hmm. And, and remember, you know, Christ is going to meet our needs. Yep. He, he's going to, he is faithful. Uh, he is all he's asking us to do during this difficult time is for us to be faithful, mm-hmm. to be a reflection of Him, and all that we do, um, to continue to impact lives for His Son, knowing that literally we can be an oasis during the um, difficult times uh, that people are looking at. People are looking at right now of never getting their businesses back. Mm-hmm people are looking at right now as family members who are passing away. Um, I know two people that have lost family members Mm -hmm. um, to the uh, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that those numbers will climb. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my role into this is that, um, you know, the the sadness for one was he wasn't able to be with his father. Mm -hmm. And so how do I encourage him uh, through this process? Because he's bitter and he's angry and he's, he's, pretty frustrated that people are not doing what they should be doing. They're doing, they're, they're doing their normal stuff and they're either, they're not helping close the door Mm. on this horrible virus. And so there's a lot of anger out there, but if I think if we're positive, I think if we're encouraging and I think if we're realistic, Mm -hmm. I think we're going to have an opportunity to minister to a lot of people and allow them the opportunity to give to us on their terms, Mm -hmm. not on us uh, asking them uh, to be a part.
1: Great. That is great. That's great stuff. We know based off the training that we've had in our ministry is that it really is a God ask. And so, uh, John, thank you for sharing uh, just your journey with FCA briefly. Thanks for sharing your experience, uh, sharing your stories. I know that they have been impactful Uh, for those of you that are listening right now or or get a chance to listen to this podcast uh, we want you to know that attached to the email is kind of some of the the notes that we shared um i know that if if any of you felt led or called to to maybe reach out to john to take these conversations further i know he would be willing to do that john thank you for your time and fca thank you for your continued effort to to fulfill and uh, pursue the mission of fca and, and thanks for the years of experience that you shared with us today to help us go further faster in our ministries uh we appreciate you and we thank you and uh, uh really appreciate your time okay thank you guys thanks so much for the time today thanks for listening in to the uh, board chair and leadership podcast uh, director of leadership podcast We know that uh, as we try to increase the leadership and the capacity in the local area that it's going to take staff and mentors, as John has mentioned, and so Uh, Board members, uh, we are are thanking you for exhausting your influence even during this time as you try to work through your own situations, your families, your businesses, the, the jobs that you have. And I will close with just this one thought that came from our president, Shane Williamson, just the other day. As they were talking with the board of trustees about how we should handle this time, one of the newest board members stood up and said, guys, this is an opportunity for us to allow God to work in us and through us in a way that we've never seen. So it's time for us to lead by example and step up and do uh, what God is asking us to do, even when it's uncertain. And so board members, directors, FCA staff, as you pray through and are sensitive in this time, be reminded that God has called you to this ministry, that it is a passion that God has given you, and that it is gonna fulfill a purpose of seeing the world transformed by Jesus Christ the influence of coaches and athletes. So thanks for joining us this month. Thanks so much again to John O'Dell and his leadership in Oklahoma and the Western half of the United States and Texas and Louisiana, and to be uh, faithful to fill all the roles that God has called him to. Thank you for the work that you do. God bless you.
0: You've been listening to the FCA board chair and director leadership podcast, where we seek to make disciples through our methods of engaging, equipping and empowering coaches and athletes to know and grow in Christ and lead others to do the same.